Greetings, Miranda. Thanks for having me back on the show. Oh, it's wonderful to have you, and especially fresh from your dinner at the White House with Donald Trump. I know you're too discreet to tell us anything about what was spoken about, but I think one of your co-hosts tweeted the menu. Uh, <laughs> yes, so um, Jesse Waters from Fox uh, had the president sign a, a menu from a, a private dinner at the White House on Monday, but... Uh, I'll, I'll keep the, uh, the, the rest of the facts about the dinner private, if you don't mind. Yes, absolutely. It looked like a great menu, though. How was the chocolate mousse? Uh, it was absolutely incredible. <laughs> I can imagine. I must say, when I was um, there in Washington a couple of weeks ago, accompanying our Prime Minister to into the White House and the Oval Office, I did – I mean, it's beautiful, but it isn't as grand as I'd imagined. Yeah, I mean, look, it's I, I tell people, especially when it comes to the the West Wing, you need to forget everything you've ever seen in an American movie. I mean, especially that West Wing TV show. You know, they have Martin Sheen walk around the West Wing for for an hour. The the West Wing is two corridors. I mean, literally, you, it takes you less than three minutes to walk the whole of the West Wing, including the Oval Office. So, you know, there's there's reality and there's there's Hollywood, and and the White House is a, a stunning building, but it's it's, you know, relatively prosaic in certain regards, and it's about doing business and, you know, running the, the engines of state. Well, I know we were in the media, the press room, and um, that used Which to be... small. It's tiny, and, yeah. and it, apparently it's built on top of a swimming pool that JFK used to love. Correct. There's a swimming pool underneath it that JFK used, but it was uh, covered over, I think... I think by Nixon, so you know you you can't access the swimming pool anymore. But it's a it's a relatively small room, and and that's why it's all the more you know there, there's uh, every seat has the various corporations' names on it, and that's 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 the big question. Well, you know where is your seat, and that's actually policed by the uh, oh. the White House Correspondents Own Association. So it's not even up to the White House who who gets to sit where. How interesting. Now let's talk about North Korea. You know. All the people who talked down Donald Trump, all the smarties, all the intelligentsia in foreign affairs around the world and said he was going to start a nuclear war and that he was just being a buffoon. And look what's happened. Yeah, I, I told everybody, even if, if you voted for him and you're a supporter, um, just hold on to your horses because you are, even if you, if you uh, approved of him when you voted for him, you have no idea how successful he's going to be internationally, let, let alone domestically. And it's, it's stunning. We're only in the 14th month of the administration. The economy is going gangbusters. We've got companies like Apple that have promised to bring literally hundreds of billions of dollars back into the, com- into the country, lowest unemployment for 18 years, lowest unemployment for women in 17 years, lowest unemployment for Hispanics and, and uh, African-Americans since record-keeping began. And then you add the foreign uh, aspects, and it's uh, not only has ISIS, you know, the physical caliphate, been destroyed in less than half a year, we have, we have a frozen conflict. Remember, there was no peace treaty in Korea in 1953. It was an, an armistice. It was mm. a, a, you know, it was locked in time. And that's 65 years ago. And now, with the recent announcements 
from South Korea, we have the first time ever that the dictatorship has said they're prepared to sit down with an American, sitting American president to negotiate on the denuclearization of the peninsula. So, and that's you know, after it, it, a decade of nuclear t- missile tests and no president, certainly not President Obama, was able to do anything about that with all their supposedly sophisticated diplomacy. Well, this goes back to, to Clinton. I mean, this goes back to Bill Clinton. The, the, the nuclearization of the North Korean peninsula has is basically, you, you could put that at the doorstep of the Obama administration, uh, Bush 1, Bush 2, and, and Clinton started it all with these, uh, you know, these systems of relief for North Korea. And it, it escalated to such a fever pitch last year that we had three launches, ballistic launches over Japan, Mm. numerous illegal nuclear detonations of test warheads, and and the mainstream media saying Donald Trump's going to bring us to war. And what do we have? On the contrary, we have, you know, potential peace talks. And and the great irony of all of this, Miranda, is, and I, I, I tweeted this out, who has the Nobel Peace Prize? <laughs> it's Obama. That's yeah? right. I mean, Give the Middle him. East in flames, yeah. a, a resurgent uh, um, uh, militarizing China, a North Korea launching missiles, and he gets the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, it, the, the irony couldn't be, be thicker if you tried. Well, he, he got it also before he be- barely anything. had his feet <laughs> under the desk. It was ridiculous, a preemptive right, Nobel. Right. Right. So um, how did Donald Trump do this? Do, do you think it was the sanctions which were announced by Steven Mnuchin two weeks ago when we were right. actually in Washington um, against North Korea or was it pressure being put on China and China's told North Korea to pull their head in? What, what, what actually worked? Well, it's, it's look, um, the tariffs could be part of... Um, the equation, but I think it's a minor one. Talking to some people in the White House who really were, you know, part, you know, part and parcel of these negotiations, they think it's it's not the decisive factor. I think it's the it's the president's uh, stance since January of of uh, the inauguration of last year. Um, I think it's a very clear message both he and the Secretary of Defense has sent. I mean, when Secretary Mattis says, if you threaten us, we will destroy you. I mean, that's pretty clear language, and that's coming from a former four-star general in the Marine Corps who's a legend. Mm. Uh, And and beyond that, and you know, I doff my cap because I got to know them well, and this is my sincerest opinion. The the Asia team um, at the NSC, at the National Security Council, is Absolutely first rate. The senior director, Matt Pottinger, uh, again, a former Marine, a former journalist, speaks the languages of the region. He, he has the president's ear and he really knows what he's talking about. And, and it's, you know, he's, he's shaped a strategy. The president has been decisive. We've reassured our, our friends and our partners in the region. So I think, I think all of that put together made China realize it's a different ball game, and I think China has exerted pressure on North Korea. Mm, makes sense. Now, let's just talk about the steel and aluminium tariffs that the President Trump has put on. It looks like Australia is going to be the first country to get an exemption. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that's good diplomacy by Australia, or is it? what does that mean? <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> the way I, I put this in my piece in The Hill is, uh, you remember the you remember Obama and Hillary's uh, Russian reset. You remember that plastic button uh, yeah. that was um, mistranslated. Actually, said overcharge. Um, what the president has done right now, and, and the uh, aluminium and steel tariff announcement is is really pun 
part of that as well. Uh, he's, he's hit a global reset. He's said, we're, the, just because we've done things a certain way for the last 30 years doesn't mean it's the right way to do. The global trading system isn't a fair trading system. There's far too many nations that are protectionist like China, and there's, there's conglomerates like the EU that are also behaving in ways that, that are not, you know, uh, predicated on fair trade. So he's just, he's, he, the, the, the pitch has been um, uneven, has not been uh, flat. He's, he's rejigging the international geopolitical game, uh, the, the matrix, if you want. Um, and he sent a very clear message with, with Australia that we're changing the system so that Americans int America's interests are realized, but we're not going to do it alone, and we're not going to punish our friends. So I, I think it's great that Australia is going to lead the way in, in sending that message to all of America's allies and partners. Um, it's, but, but the president sent a very clear message that uh, you know, there are times when you simply have to go into the temple and turn over the tables, and that's what he's doing. So having given Australia an exemption, or as we're expecting, how do you think Donald Trump will feel to hear that the Australian Trade Minister, Steve Chobo, yesterday said that our government might think about joining with the EU in challenging America's tariffs before the WTO, which don't apply to us on behalf of the EU? Uh, I would say that man uh, probably has never met Donald Trump. And he probably would like – he would, should probably think about um, reassessing that statement with his colleagues in government because you don't want to send that message to America. America will lead the way. But if, if we are trying to work with you in partnership with you – why would you send that message uh, to us? Are you trying to bite the, the hand that's offered to you? Not very wise. Hopefully it's just said in the spur of the moment, in the heat of the moment, but that's disappointing, Miranda. Mm. And he, Steve Chubbo did travel with, he was the only minister who travelled with the Prime Minister to, uh, to America and did meet uh, President Trump and has been involved in the negotiations. I mean, he was asked a question and he said, we'll think about it, but... Um, you know, it is, as you say, rather questionable. Well, it's all the more disappointing if that is the case. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what he's, he's trying to affect there, but that's, that's not how, at the end of the day, uh, the bottom line is that's not how friends treat each other. Yeah, well said. All right, terrific. Thank you so much for your time again, Dr Gorka, and hope to speak to you again in two weeks. My pleasure. Any time. God bless. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winger? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly Virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from.